interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Send it in, Jerome! Hit it! Here's a little gangster short in size. A t-shirt Levi's is his only disguise. Built like a tank, get hard to hit. Another Monday Night Pod, Kevin Millator, Ryan Sikoris here for once, Scott Sanduli and Riley Swenson. Guys, let's dive right into it. Big 12 SEC Challenge was all Big 12 most of the way. They won it 7-3 this weekend, improving themselves to why they're the best conference in college basketball this year. Well, first off, Ryan's here, so good, good for him. Glad he, could, glad he could finally make time in his busy, busy schedule of sitting at home and watching Virginia basketball, so instead he came here to watch Virginia basketball. Yes, um, yeah, the Big 12 proved they're dominant. I mean, when you beat the number two team in the country, like Oklahoma did, that was pretty impressive. But the SEC did get one of the big ones in uh, Tennessee beating Texas. I think that was their most favorable matchup in terms of the, the ranked versus ranked, if you will, games in that challenge, which I guess there wasn't that many ranked versus ranked. But in my mind, Kansas-Kentucky was ranked versus ranked. But – just because both leagues cannibalize each other. That's right. That is true. Mm-hmm. But Tennessee looked looked real good, and their their issue has been offense all season, and they put up 82 points against a very well-coached and veteran Texas team. They moved up to number one in Kenton as a result. They did. And that's, they have, the, that's the poll that matters, right? Great. Yeah. And they have the number one ranked defense in Kenton. So I mean, if they're if they can put it together down the stretch, it's I, it just feels like a year where no matter who wins the title. It's going to be weird because it's going to be either like Houston, Purdue, or Tennessee, and none of those feel right. No, no. I think the thing that took me with the Big Twelve SEC games was Oklahoma. Like I was sitting there watching that game, and for the entirety of the forty minutes, I was just like, "Oh my god, this conference just breeds dominance at times." Because as soon as they get that chance to step away from losing to the number eight team on Monday and then losing to the number nine team on Saturday. It's like, okay, well, I guess these guys can play, and you put them in a game against, I guess, what turned out to be the number two team, but a team that hasn't necessarily played the same gauntlet that Oklahoma has had to face. And you catch Oklahoma on the right now, right night, they're good enough to beat anybody. Grant Sherfield was fantastic. They're well coached, and they pick stuff out. That's just the Big 12. We talked about it on the show on last Wednesday in terms of like this game. And this conference is so tricky to where anyone can get anybody at any night. And then you go from there and it's like, well, what happens when they take that step out? That's why they've been so successful in the tournament the last couple of years is because every night is a challenge. And when you're playing teams like that, it's pretty darn hard to win. Scott, your thoughts on the weekend, especially the Big 12 ACC Challenge? Uh, Pretty much the same thing as the guys. It's just, uh, you know, Big 12 is just the, is the most cutthroat conference there is. And with how, they have so many quality teams, and I genuinely think if you were to take any of those teams and put them in another power six conference, they could find a way to go 500 pretty much. But it's, it's a very deep conference. I expected the Big 12 to win. I did not expect them to win the fashion that they did. But, uh, I mean, Oklahoma made a joke out of Alabama, which that was – I've been suspect of Alabama almost pretty much all year just because – the team just lives and dies by the scoring of Brandon Miller, and he finally had a bad game, and they lost by two, or almost 30. Scott knew. No one else did, but Scott knew. <laughs> Scott said he was LeBron James. You know what? Some don't feel right. Some don't feel right about this. They live and die by one player. You can't do that unless you unless that one player is Zach Eadie. 
I mean, yes and no. I mean, I would say their defensive ability and efficiency. You can't defend with one player. You have to defend with five. Yeah, of course, but their offense goes through one player. You're not going to win a championship when your offense goes through one player. Carmelo Anthony would like to have a word. That was 2003. You know what, Scott? That might be the actually most factually correct thing you've said on any of the podcasts I've ever been on. Like say this at least. That Carmelo Anthony won a national championship in 2003. <laughs> <laughs> Very proud of you. For the, that. It, Good it job, is, buddy. It is a year, though, where it feels like we're going back to the past. I mean, Arizona's a top five team, and they don't, they just play high low, two bigs on the floor. Like, I mean, it, yeah, it's 2023, and we think of get to the paint, shoot threes, and that's it. But Seems like the old school teams are kind of having their way. Purdue, they play through a big guy. They're having their way. I mean, I get it. The, the logic is you can't just have one guy, but I, I'd argue they have two. I think Mark Sears has been pretty good. Noah Clowney at times, pretty good freshman. So, I mean, I get what you're saying, Scott, but at some point there's – I feel like that's a, it's an easy crutch to just say, oh, yeah, they have one guy. But in reality, they're, they're pretty darn good up and down. And at some point when the field is so deep, when you've got – 15 teams maybe we won't go that far but let's say 10 teams that can win the chip it's like what just starts to become the defining factor is it that you're eight deep you're 10 deep you have guys that can play because that matters less in the tournament because you want to play your best guys more and more so maybe when we have 10 to 15 teams who can win the national championship maybe the team who has that one guy that can just consistently dominate and take over games maybe that matters more Maybe we don't need like a Baylor or a Kansas who might have six or seven guys that are really solid, but maybe you do need a Purdue where they've got five guys that are really good. And then Zach Eady, who's the best player in college basketball definitively. I think that's maybe something that we need to start looking at this year with how deep the field is. That one guy might end up taking over the tournament second weekend and on. Well, I mean, I think you look just in the SEC conference, the perfect example of, Top two teams in the conference, Alabama plays in one sense through one guy, Brandon Miller, and Tennessee, you don't know who's going to score for them. I mean, Julian Phillips could have 30 and then have two the next night. Zakai Ziegler could have 25 and then not shoot the next game and just pass. And I don't even know how to say the dude's last name. I probably should be in a college basketball. Guy, Olivier Namkua, however you pronounce it. <laughs> I can tell it looks how it's spelled. I, I'm sorry to everyone. I, I should know that. But he had 20, career-high 27 on Saturday against Texas. I mean, so do you want to say, you know what, we're going to rely on our one guy or we're going to rely on essentially nobody but also everybody at the same time? Because you got to think if you're Tennessee, it's better odds in a sense of, yes, yeah, someone will step up and score. But there's definitely a real possibility that they score 50 points in a tournament game, run into Max Acemas and lose, something like that, you know? Exactly. It's a team that's uh, the way they play you know, so – I mean, they're so dominant on one side, but then so unpredictable on the other. And that's where, like, these really good defensive teams, that could be – it's almost like – I mean, you saw a little, a little bit of Texas Tech last year, too. Like, they defended their butts off every night, but then the one games they couldn't score, they would lose them. I know they put 70 up on Duke and went to the Sweet 16 last year, but when defending is your main priority – as a team, you need to still, you need to have at least two guys that can put the ball in the basket and Tennessee. It's it, there are some nights when one guy can't even put the ball in the basket. I think those teams are safer bets though, in some ways. And of course they're safer bets because at some point they can't put the ball in the bucket. Neither can the other team. Yeah. They're so strong defensively, which is why as the season has gone on and I know UCLA just lost UCLA to me has become kind of a team where 
it's almost like a default. As the season gets closer and closer to that postseason, I start to trend towards UCLA more. And I do this every year, and maybe it's a fault, but I think the teams that can defend their butts off every night and then find a way to get a win, I think that's an important prospect to have. And that's why they're among that 10 or 15. But when you look at those 10 or 15 teams that can win a national championship, almost every single one of them plays the game differently. Like there's teams that'll go on runs that are really dominant, that will score the ball every single night. There's teams like UCLA that slow the ball down every single night. There's teams that kind of can just do whatever they want at times. They can go slow, they can go fast, but they don't necessarily do either one of them at an elite level. It's it's a very interesting sort of vibe this season. I think that's what Riley's trying to get at is it's so deep and especially that's like the Big 12 is the microcosm for that. It's a smaller version of what college basketball is this year where everybody is good and on any given night you have to give your A game. Tonight, Baylor, Texas, 10 versus 11. Texas has to play their butts off or Baylor's going to get them. Vice versa to Baylor and it won't look like an upset either way. Tomorrow night, K-State, Kansas. K-State already beat Kansas and now it's in Lawrence. That's a big game that has ramifications for K-State and Kansas's postseason opportunities. If K-State wins that, they're looking at a potential birth on the one line if they can use that as a springboard. And who would have been talking about K-State as a one seed at the beginning of the year? Like, it's it's a weird year. It's a strange year, and it's a fun year. I was I think the keyword there is fun. Yeah. Because, like, you look back at the Gonzaga-Baylor year, they were like the, the, the definition of how college basketball and everybody else. That's how college basketball teams are built. They have uh, two or three guards who are really good, can shoot threes, get to the hoop. Maybe one big who does a lot of pick and roll and stuff of that sort. Now you have a team, Purdue number one in the country, Zach Eady, who's going to throw it down to the seven foot four guy. But then you have a team, Baylor, and they're also in the mix now after winning six in a row. They have their three guards and they don't really have a big guy. So go ahead, Cap, whatever you can say. Well, and you guys are talking about the Big 12. Looking at it now, into the net rankings coming into the day, all Big 12 conference games are quad one games. All 10 teams in the Big 12 are within the top 75. The lowest being Texas Tech at 69. So nice. There you go. So, but that just shows you how competitive this conference is that every game is a quad one game, an opportunity for a quad one win. And when you're looking, if you're at the bottom of this conference right now, you're still not out of it. They're showing it on TV right now is there's six teams in, in the top 25, nine teams in the top 50. You're the seventh, eighth, ninth, and 10th place teams in the Big 12. Your season theoretically still is not done yet. You still have a good shot to build back those wins because of the fact that your entire conference is in a quad one. And that's the point that Kevin makes that's crucial there is like you say all 10 teams are in the top 75, they're all quad one wins. It's going to stay that way because the more Texas on the road, Tech on the road, yeah, the more Texas Tech loses, the more Texas Tech loses to better teams, they're going to stay at 69 or 70 or 71, or they might maybe slip to 74, but every game the rest of the way on the road will be a quad one win. And I think it's like eight out of the 10 games are quad one wins at home. So it's, it's, I think it's seven or eight. It's somewhere around that. And then the conference tournament on the neutral floor, they're all pretty much all be correct. Yeah. It's, it's absurd. It's kind of, that's also why I think though they might eat each other up to the point where the big 12 doesn't get a one seed, which is kind of crazy. The best conference in college basketball won't have a number one seed. There's a pretty good chance. And there's a, I'd say a, one seed in the final four. I case. would I would say almost I would say there's a good chance almost that there's not a one seed from the Big 12 because I don't think Houston's gonna lose again. 
So you can lock them in. Unless I mean they got they got they have Memphis on the road. That's the only game I can see them losing. I just don't see that. They've been flirting with danger a little bit. They might lose one, but I think they'll still. If they lose one, still have they'll a good their conference tournament. Tennessee or Alabama, I think, is going to take the one from the SEC. One of those two teams, I think, will get it done. And then Arizona, Arizona, UCLA, Arizona, UCLA could sneak in. I think Purdue is a pretty much. I don't want to say a lock, but it's as close to a lock as you can. They could get almost one seed. So I mean, in the Big Twelve, right as you start thinking, oh yeah, we we got this thing under control, then you don't. And our next point we're going to get to is Texas and their schedule. I think it's a good segue right now because Texas, I mean, look at their, their, their four-game stretch. They go to Tennessee. Well, it started off uh, – excuse me, yeah, they go to Tennessee. Then tonight they have Baylor at home. Then they go on the road to both Kansas schools. I mean, my yeah. good – I mean, you hate to say tonight's a must-win, but, but it kind of, kind of is a must-win because you don't want to say you're going to win – either of the Kansas games, and you already lost to Tennessee, at this point in the season, you definitely don't want to lose four in a row. No. Certainly. I mean, and the same goes for Baylor's schedule in a sense, which they've had the luxury of already winning their first two games in this stretch when I look at it. But how about Monday you play Kansas, Saturday you go and you play Arkansas, and then, oh, yeah, two days later, next the following Monday, two days later, you go to Texas. Yeah, I mean, that's a fun week. I mean – I'm sure Scott Drew was dreaming of that week. Oh, yeah. It's a great time. It's a great time. It's a great time. And that's the cool thing is now, again, we'll keep saying cool. We'll keep saying fun. Like, we're getting into that part of the season where every game's going to matter. And then when it's a good game, it's like it almost seems like they pile on top of each other. You've got all these competitive games back to back to back. And then as soon as the competitive games are done, you jump right into conference tournament tournament games where it's like you're going to make the final. You're, you're having to win four games in four days and really put it together every single night in a row. If I told you, I mean, back in December, start of January, Baylor has a good chance to be a one or two seed. You'd be like, that's probably not going to happen. They were, they were unranked for a while. Mm-hmm. They struggled. Now, I, if, they, if they win tonight at Texas – I don't know who they play on Saturday, but if they win tonight at Texas, and I'm assuming they have a game Saturday, most college basketball teams do. I should have probably checked that. The, I guarantee you Joe Lenardi is looking at them as a three or a two seed in the next bracketology. Will they win tonight? I think they're probably already a three seed as it stands right now. If they win this week, let's see, they have Texas, Texas and Tech. Texas Tech. So yeah. the worst team in the conference you'd think they'd win. And then right after that, it's Oklahoma. They go they go 2-0 this week. They're probably sitting in a two-seed, which yeah. that's that's awesome. I want to bring up Kansas real quick because we're talking about those tough stretches. I mean, I'm going to give you their, their schedule since January 17th. January 17th was the game at Kansas State. Since then, home versus TCU at Baylor, at Kentucky for the Big 12 AC Challenge. This week, they get Kansas State tomorrow night at home. Then they go to Ames to take on Iowa State to come back home to Texas. What they should do is they should do what the SEC does in football, and everyone gets to play UT Martin at this point in the season. <laughs> Cupcake week against Wagner. Yeah. Schedule Valparaiso. Give me the instead, instead, they just took the SEC team. They just played an SEC school. Which is so awesome. And I, that's, again, that's another reason why those two conferences are going to be able to find success, because they just shove a team who's probably pretty good this late, late into your conference schedule and just say, hey, play Texas, because why a, not? Oh, that's amazing how quickly they can make up ground in the national scale. I mean, just being a North Carolina fan, an ACC guy, and Ryan, you're a Virginia guy, so you know it too. But 
Carolina's won four or five in a row now. Just kind of like, and they're just kind of like, are they going to be ranked? This part of the season, especially when the ACC isn't as deep, which it hasn't been for a couple of years, couple of years mm-hmm. it starts to lull. And like when you're good, when you're a top 10 team like Virginia is right now, right. every game just kind of feels like a, you got to survive. And mm-hmm. by survive, it's not beat the team beat the team in front of you, but make sure you win because if you lose, it's bad news because you're only getting in the public eye if you lose this game. You're only getting in the view if you drop a Tuesday night game to Wake Forest. It's the only way you get into the national media attention because you're supposed to do your job. Virginia's playing right now against Syracuse and JMA Wireless Dome, and they're supposed to win that game. If they don't, then it's on SportsCenter tomorrow, like – well, with some Syracuse journalist asking you <laughs> a bad question, probably. Say, John Eads. Shout out, John Eads. John Eads sitting in the dome right now. He's coming to the city. He's coming to the Super Bowl. Wow. Now, he's, part of the, he's part of the new house crew coming out? Ben Paris, friend of the program, is going to confront him and ask him about his uh, wow. question. And you should have him on. No. I'd rather not. Yeah, that's bad pop. That's, that's like saying like the Jets podcast is going to bring on Bill Belichick. We're, we're okay. I think the Jets yeah. podcast would do it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you have ours, the Jets podcast, I'd take on Belichick as well. But no, I mean, that's the thing is these two conferences, every night the discussion is, wow, how about that win by Baylor? Not, wow, look at that loss by North Carolina or that loss by Duke. Because when North Carolina and Duke get results, it's like, okay, well, yeah, they, they beat Clemson, who might be a good basketball team, but aren't publicly – in the same perspective right now as number 25 Baylor, number eight Baylor, number 11 Baylor, who at wherever they are in the polls any given week. It's kind of just this, it's the nature of the Big 12. There's more opportunities for you to get people behind you, the media behind you, the bracketologists behind you, pick up quality wins and stay in a positive light because every night you've got a chance to be positively in the media. And if you lose, it's like, well, yeah, but they played number seven Kansas State. So like, Maybe you'd expect them to lose that game, yeah, especially like especially when it's on the road too. Just oh like, yeah, yeah, like you're going on the road. Tough environments too. All those. I did not realize. I just looking at it, that West Virginia is 20th in Ken Palm. Yeah, that's right. I haven't it's heard stupid. anything about West Virginia this year. That's stupid. West Virginia. It's one of doing better. It's one of Huggins' better jobs, I think, in a while. They've also played a fallacious schedule. Yeah, Good 13, word from Scott there. They're 13 and 8, and they're 20th in Ken Palm. Scott, I mean, you definitely could have figured that out, but like, Thanks, no sla- that's no slander to you, man. Like, clearly it is. Way to do your research. 22nd in adjusted offensive efficiency, the Mountaineers are. By the way, Ken Palm is goofy because Creighton is 11th in Ken Palm, and I don't know oh, if Creighton is actually the 11th best team in the country, uh, but. But with with Carl Brenner, who knows? They could be number five in the country. We don't know. That's the crazy thing is they're in that 15-team group that can probably win the national title. I believe we were in this living room exactly two weeks ago. I said, remember the date, because I'm going to say Creighton could, could and might just very well be the national champion this year. And it's looking better and better each week we sit in this living room here because the win over Xavier, that's going to carry over Selection Sunday. I think when it's all said and done, they're going to be looking at Somewhere in the range of a five, six, seven seed, maybe. Um, which that they're in that there, there's kind of two groups of teams. It's kind of funny in my eyes. There's a group, group of teams who are fighting for the one, two, and three seeds that are going to come out with it. But then there's that separate group of teams, North Carolina, Duke, Creighton, who are fighting to either be as high as a four or five seed or as low as a ten seed. And I'm telling you. If you are a one seed and you're watching those teams play, you are praying 
Creighton takes care of business against everyone they should. You're praying North Carolina and Duke take care of business because you do not want to see North Carolina, Duke, or Creighton in the second round as an eight or nine seed. No, you don't. And and that's that's what's funny to me about this entire – that's what's going to make this tournament so much fun. Is that there's going to be a couple of teams who who are going to be underseeded based off their talent levels, like they're a really talented team, but they didn't put up the results in the regular season. That's going to be really fun to see which teams get trapped up. And because of the fact that we've seen it in years before, I mean, 2014, I'll use the example always, that Kentucky team. That right. was an yeah, eight seed. Championship. Not about you, Scott. It wasn't. This was not a point about UConn whatsoever. This was just a point about like, remember that was an undefeated Wichita State team, and they got stuck with a really talented but Kentucky team that was very inconsistent throughout the regular season. They kind of got it together in late February, went on a run, got an eight seed, and all of a sudden, boom, caught Wichita State. One seeds get screwed a lot in the seeding of tournaments, just. Based everyone, off the eight, yeah, because everyone looks, everyone looks at the first game like, oh, I'll play a 16 seed. No one cares. Illinois having to play Loyola Chicago in the COVID year. That was BS that they should not have been an eight seed. Baylor last year. Baylor having to play North Carolina in the second round. That was BS. Uh, Villanova, the defending national champions, having to play Wisconsin second round. Nigel Hayes. That I mean, it, it is not favorable matchup. The eight of the nine is always a team that was like number three in the AP preseason poll that fell off yeah. that we know has the talent but didn't see it through during the season, or the team that struggled early, or and came about late like North Carolina did. The teams who have it the best are like the three seeds who get a fourteen seed in round one are probably and looking at like a six seed. A six then they're looking one. at like an eleven in the second round, and then you're looking at like a ten in the Sweet Sixteen. Oh, and this you, is where you want to be. You, are saying. <laughs> and you've coasted your way to you coasted your way to a matchup against the number four seed who got through a number eight seed who beat a number one seed, and then you're in the final four, probably playing like Baylor or Gonzaga from twenty. Even if the eleven seed doesn't win, you're getting a six seed, and you 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 play your odds of a six seed a lot of times. You're a three. Yeah, no, that that's why. I mean, obviously, you want to be the number one seed. That's but. That's kind of where you you have no, two. you have no chance of an easy in my really there's really don't you really have no chance of an easy game then besides the first one the first one's a guaranteed win good job you got to buy <laughs> well Western Virginia Western Virginia but Sorry, from that point you're you're probably you're playing eight or nines so there's no chance of an upset there and you're playing one of those two and then if the eleven or twelve wins the wins their matchup and upset the five or the four is probably taking care of them next round so you're playing five or four there. Then we're probably playing two or three in the Elite Eight. So, I mean, that's kind of the interesting thing I've always found about the tournaments is because if you're the one seed, you're usually getting the best possible matchup. Which you're not. Which you're not. And we're, we're heightening that this year again because we've talked about the depth of this season so often. There's so many teams that can win to the point where you might be playing a team that can make a run to the Final Four. Normally, you, you sim the tournament 100 times, you get an eight seed in the final four. Like North Carolina last year, let's say. North Carolina is the wrong example because they were really good. But eight seed makes the final four. Colorado State, they're yeah. always an eight seed. Colorado State pushes yeah. their way to the final four in one out of 100 Missouri. Sims. Missouri is always an eight seed. There we go. We'll go with Mizzou. So in 100 sims of the NCAA tournament, Mizzou is an eight seed, makes the final four once. This is a year where if Mizzou's an eight seed, you're like, well, Mizzou can get streaky hot, and they get like five out of those 100 Sims make it. So there's more chances to see those one seeds who have the perceived advantage in scheduling fall because they're going to be playing a really darn good basketball team there's, two days I after would, they just had their buyer. I would so love it. Teams that just have the kind of like 
streakiness. Arizona State might not make the tournament, and like they're still a team that I'd be like, I could see them in the second weekend if they get the right two games. If they get well, if they get, if they get a favorable seven ten, and they get a favorable two. Well, Arizona State will be going to Dayton. Well, I said they'll be an eleven or twelve. So then they get a six, then and then maybe, a, and then if they get a favorable three, or Georgia, Georgia State happens. Yeah, they gotta get to the rim. What are they doing? <laughs> Real quick though, I laugh really hard, and I doubt this will happen because it hasn't happened since I believe two thousand eight, where we're gonna come up with all these different hypotheticals about it's gonna be very hard for once he's to make it, and we we come back and listen back to this podcast in late March, early April, and we have four one seeds in the final four. If that happens, that'd be crazy. Because the <laughs> only time I've ever looked at a bracket and said, yeah, we're going to get a bunch of one seeds was Gonzaga Baylor. Mm-hmm. It, it never it happens. It, never, it has happened since 2008. It hasn't happened. I swear, every year I always pick the wrong one seed to lose. It's every year. I'm always like, oh, well, one of them's got to go down early. Then I always pick the wrong one. I always, yeah. It's like you, it's almost like everyone in their brackets always has a 12 seed win because there's always at least one 12 seed that'll be a five. And then typically a lot of people, I mean, I at least always have at least one eight or nine in my second weekend because I just know there's one eight or nine that got underseeded and they're getting a very favorable one, one, eight, one, nine matchup. And I like the odds there. But who's going to be ballsy enough to do it? That's the question. I think there's one team as well that kind of sticks out to me. The, the more we keep talking about these teams that are up and down here and there, what's Indiana? Like they've started to kind of pick it up recently. I've been like, I'm a big Mike Woodson fan. Are you? I also love Chris Jackson Davis. I don't know. I mean, Jalen Hutchinson, you know, one of the more underrated players in college basketball. Concur. I love the way that kid plays. And the Hoosiers, they are a team that's gone up against some of the best of the Big 12. Like, they're going to be able to withstand the team's best shot in March. Big 10. It's the Big 12. Big 10, my bad. I love I love when Scott says this kid like he's like Bill Raftery or something. He's old. I love this kid. He's either our age or he's older than us. Yes. I love this kid. No, it's just they can. I feel like they're they're a well coached team. They're an experienced team. They're a team that's been to March. They made a run in the Big Ten tournament last year. Indiana's they're not a team I would want to see in like in March when they're getting hot. Mostly because when you take a look, especially at their events. Analytics on Ken Bowden, we just lost him here. They are a very good offensive team with Davis and Hutchfino when they're all healthy. Defense kind of comes and goes, but it's just they also they they they're able to take and they're also hot right now. They've won like five or six in a row. Five, five, five. And I take them. It's it's not a team that's an easy pick against. I would. One reason, one reason only. Look, look at the name of their conference. The Big Ten. <laughs> Yeah, good, like, actually, it's someone valid, valid opinion. Someone has to break that, and it's like someone might be Purdue. I mean, it's like you don't really ever – like, for all we know, Michigan's going to just pull off one in the Big Ten tournament, and then they'll go to, like, the Elite Eight, and it's like – or the Final Four, and it's like, well, oh, my gosh, who would – Michigan. Like, that's what it'll be for the Big Ten is the year that they break this mini curse they're on – is like it'll be some team it. that no one expects. It'll be like Northwestern chugging along as a five seed or something. It'll be Northwestern because they can just shoot the lights out of the gym. Like Northwestern will win a bunch of games. Northwestern won a bunch of games. Northwestern will win a bunch of games. Said no, no one ever. ever. No, but like, ever. but look at them. This year they've won a lot more games than they should because they can shoot the lights out of the gym. You're telling me this is a Northwestern team that if they get hot at the right time shooting the three ball, you can't tell me they can't win a couple of games in March Madness. 
No. That's anyone. That's anyone. I mean, that's anyone, but like Northwestern will shoot you out of a game. Yeah, I know they might shoot themselves. <laughs> they out shoot the game. <laughs> Let's not Kevin's talk about using good Kevin's using good basketball lingo here. Can we not talk about Northwestern? If they get hot regarding contender, if Will Roberts gets hot, they can make a run at this thing. We'll I watch. Mean, I'm telling you right now, Kevin. Watch Christian. out for South Dakota. Kevin, I'm gonna tell you right now: if North Carolina shoots 60 percent or better from three every game in the tournament, we will win the national championship. I'm gonna put it out there. I'm gonna put it out there. If Cruz Perot Hunt drops 40 every game the rest of the year, the Yotes are your national and champion. People said that Brock Purdy didn't throw an incompletion; they'd be stunned when the 49ers lost the game yesterday. He didn't, he didn't throw an incompletion. He's perfect for his uh, NFC championship game career. <laughs> what else we got? Well, Oral Roberts plays Southern Color tonight. I'm pretty sure. That's a big one on Midco Sports Network. Oral, Oral Roberts is favored by 15. Yields won't cover. No, probably not. But, I mean, you never know. You can have hope. Yeah, Norfolk State is up 34 27. That will be on Midco Sports State. Network, right? Uh, if it's at South Dakota, then probably. I love yeah. Midco Sports Network. They're good people there. I know <laughs> I know a lot of good people that work for Midco Sports Network. Come to get me a job. I mean, maybe. I mean, I'll <laughs> probably get them to get me a job first. Mm, I'll see what I can do. It's a good thing. Put a little plug there. Yeah, you never know. Right here. Good call, Scott. Good call. <laughs> Indiana's got Maryland tomorrow, though. Well, I think that's, that's a win. Tuesday. They got off the weekend hot start. They're starting to play a little better now. But the way Kevin Willard's Seton Hall teams were is they peak early in the season. Like they never, they never put together full seasons really when he was at Seton Hall, and I, I mean, nothing has really shown me that that's going to stop yet. Yeah, so. they were playing a tough. The, the 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 thing about Willard Seton Hall teams is that was a team that was kind of never going to ever compete in a tough Big East when like when he was there, the Big East always had that was the sixteen was teams. No, four or five teams that were like always when Villanova and Xavier were yeah, in the top. It was peak it right. was peak Big East that was always not peak Big East because obviously peak Big East was peak Big East twenty eleven. That's that's my peak Big East. Yeah, I was gonna say that's yeah, just Big not East true. Yeah, yeah, correct. But like when BC the, was in the league. When the Big East was tough and it still is, obviously, but tougher than it is now. Like, Willard's team was the sixth or seventh best team in that conference. So they were always going to start strong early, but they were going to run into the Xavier's, the Syracuse's, not the Syracuse's, the Villanova's, the Providence's, the Yukon's. Like, obviously, Yukon wasn't there UConn, time, UConn last was- year. Like, that was kind of how it always worked with Willard's teams. It's like, they were good, but never going to be there. This Maryland team feels like an upper echelon Big Ten team at times, but the Big Ten is kind of the same way where there's all these competitive teams where, yeah, maybe they will fall away. Maybe they will fade away. I like this Maryland team, not as much as I like the Indiana team, though. The game is in the College game. Park, which I think if you ever watch the Big Ten, the home team wins, I swear, 90% of the time. It's Unless they're playing at Minnesota or Nebraska. Yes, that's right. Or or apparently Rutgers at Purdue, because that makes sense this year. Yeah, yeah. Beat Purdue. By the way, going back to the Oral Roberts game, the game is at Oral Roberts, which means it's on the varsity network, not oh. sports. I hate that. Um, no, <laughs> I think that's the thing with the Big Ten is like there are a lot of good teams, but I don't know if it's a lot of competitive. It's not like the Big 12. When you watch a Big Ten game, you don't get anywhere near the same vibe. Like at all. It's because it's a six seed playing a ten seed, not a two, a two seed playing, playing a three. three. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still, it's like 
it doesn't have that edge that a Big 12 game has. It doesn't have that, and maybe it's just the ESPN graphics, but like <laughs> it doesn't just it doesn't feel the same to me in terms I don't of know, like, man. You get Robbie Hummel and Brandon Godden on the Big Ten Network call on a Sunday afternoon. It's got some edge to it. Yeah, no, I I do know what you're saying, but the Big Ten basketball tournament is uh it's a national treasure to to this country. I mean, so much so they put it at MSG when you... They did do that. It was a bad idea. Scott, did you hate that too? You probably hated that more than the average folk. Yes. Big you time. Did? MSG. Probably hated that big more than the average folk. Yeah, yeah MSG is the biggest big East country, bottom line. W take. W take from a guy whose team was at one point left the Big East for the American. Scott, so what's, what's going on right now? Why is UConn... I'm going to throw an ad lib in our rundown here because everybody knows a rundown exists. What's going on with UConn? Like, why are why are, why are, why are they ranked? Yeah, they should What's not going be on? ranked. There really is no Carolina should be ranked. There is no genuine reason for UConn to be ranked right now. They went two and six, I think, in the month of January. And almost as bad as some level hockey. And the offense hasn't been the problem. It's just their defense has been just kind of torn down. And the way the teams are doing is that Adama Sonogo plays soft, very, very soft, both offensively and defensively. Uh, and then you know, perimeter play is just Tristan Newton and Jordan Hawkins. They're they're okay defensive guard. They're not elite. Andre Jackson's been getting himself in foul trouble. He's the best defensive player on the team. I, I don't know. It's just it's the midseason woes. Uh, they, they're coming off the high. Question. And it's just Jordan Hawkins that's consistently scoring every night. Mm. Danny Hurley's failure to adjust. I know you watch a lot of UConn games here. I hear you screaming a lot. You're very proponent of Hurley and just him in general. So what are your thoughts on his ability to adjust or maybe not adjust, I guess, is the proper way to ask the questions. Of these game adjustments are not extreme enough. We're not drastic enough. But it's, again, Xavier, something did change in the second half. The offense was, was much more tempo-oriented. But it, the, their defensive abilities is not a knock on Hurley. It's just I don't know what kind of – perimeter defenders at what level they really had to be with anyway. I mean, Hawkins and Newton, they're fine, but I'm not going to call them crazy. Uh, Diara, eh, he's a game-to-game kind of thing, and Aline is pretty much a defensive liability. But the way that UConn's built is to play through uh, an elite guard and an elite big. If Sonogo or Hawkins is off one game, they're not going to win. So is UConn, like, who, who's going to get UConn and beat them in the first round of the NCAA tournament this year? Buffalo. Kent State. Yeah, I was going to say, is it, a, is it a golden flash? Josh Block, Bradley Braves. Pretty good basketball team. We shall see, man. Second longest home winning streak in the country right now. Yeah. I wish it was first, so I would have gotten that question right on trivia on Wednesday. Behind UCLA now. Now Auburn lost last week. So if you don't know what we're talking about, please go back and watch the show from prior to this. You Listen, know? don't watch. Well, you can watch it. There's too. not much to watch. You can watch it too. You can just watch our fun. I know someone will be listening, though. That one Kentucky fan out there. I, I we named Doctor enough. They know who they are. Yeah, they'll be on the show soon. Friend of the program. Extreme friend of the program. Special friend of the program. <laughs> and okay. Oh no 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 no. No. All right. No, 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 no. It's we gotta wrap this up. No, we're not doing that. Thanks for listening. Yes. Uh, I'll I'll close out the show. No.
This has been Heat Check. Make sure to listen in Wednesday night, 9 o'clock Mountain Time on Blaze Radio. We're, we're, we're talking back. Duke, Carolina. You're not going to want to miss it. They play on Saturday. It's hate week. And we're going to react to Kansas, K-State, because we didn't really talk about that matchup despite it being tomorrow night. So nah, we'll react to that on Wednesday night. We'll talk Duke, Carolina, and so much more. For now, for Riley, Scott, Ryan, and maybe we'll see if Scott's going to be there on Wednesday night. He might have been muted the entire time with that little outburst. I'm Calvin. This is Manit Chef. Good night. Starting. Blaze Radio presents he he check Sunday or a Monday, you know that we flex. True. You can never make it more obvious. You checking for the heat, that's cold. That's cold, that's cold. Get it to the top of the top of this. You can never reach uh, these hoes. in the booth and we spin the truth. Aye. We inspire the youth and we get to the loop. You do what it does and we do what it do. We turn to the max and they got you on mute. You. Ooh, flow so high so you know Aye. I had to run it back. Blazes apart and we running like a running back. Gabe brought chalk so you know Aye. we having fun with that. Turn you in the off so you know Aye. we ain't no coming back. Now we done with that. <laughs>